Hey, hey, friends. Welcome back to In Too Deep. I'm your host, Jack Rowland. So if I sound a little congested right now, I have COVID for the second time in two months. How about that? Uh, a little announcement. Next month, I have a my solo exhibition coming up titled Unearth, and it will be at James Macon Gallery in Collingwood, August 20. So if you're in Melbourne, please save the date. My guest today is Neil Sanders. Neil is a writer, blogger, and podcaster, with much of his work focusing on the subject of mind control. Neil has written extensively on the history of this dark art and how it's been applied by military and government intelligence agencies around the world for many years. Neil is also the co-host of the new podcast, Some Dare Call It Conspiracy, which he does with ex-conspiracy theorist of 15 years, Brent Lee. I highly recommend the podcast. It only has three episodes currently out, but each one does a deep dive exploring and examining various conspiracy theories. So far they have covered David Icke and the reptilian aliens, cultural Marxism, and Alex Jones and the Bohemian Grove. All right, let's get deep with Neil Sanders. Is there a point to all this? I think we're getting in too deep. You don't apply. Bad luck. Well, I have one speed, I have one gear. Go, 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 I'll tell you when we're getting into deep, 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 deep. Neil, how are you, mate? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me on. Oh, not at all. Really, really appreciate you uh, making the time. Um, yeah, Neil. So I've, I've just recently, um, you've come into my orbit through uh, your new podcast that you've done. Some dare call it conspiracy. Um, yeah, I kind of uh, had chatted with brent the other co-host um a bit on twitter um Mm -hmm. definitely going to have him on as well and um and i've yeah you've released three at this point i've listened to all of them and oh mate to be completely honest absolutely just blown away with um how thorough your research is um and just (laughs) the kind of um the journey you, you, you take the listener on it's 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 really thorough it's really great um you know the first episode was a david ike episode and i found that i mean i'm a, a little bit like uh brent your co-host in uh, in this uh, respect that yeah probably over 10 years ago now i was um uh went down the rabbit hole in conspiracy theories and um you know kind of ended up uh losing interest or not losing interest sorry uh, just not believing it uh, a lot of it um so anyway i really appreciate really appreciated getting uh back familiar with the the david ike law it's kind of hard to find a really good um uh resource for the david ike law these days now that everything's been censored on youtube well yeah this is true like it's uh i mean that's that's certainly true it's like you used to be this is one of the things that i'm finding is that you used to be able to find all these videos really easily Mm. and there's all these things i can remember from like a few years ago like where, where was that? What was that? And yeah. like, yes, it's, it's, it's more difficult now. And, and like places like BitChute and stuff like that, they're terrible. Like in, in as much as like the design is poor. So it, you, you struggle to find the, the what I find on BitChute is you struggle to find the same video twice sometimes. It's like the internet right. used to be when it first started. Mm. Like, and, mm. uh, um, but yeah, that, but thank you very much. That That's the idea is that basically what we want to do with this um uh, this uh, podcast is it's for everybody so if you've never heard of the conspiracy theory before you can come into it and you can 
you'll, you'll understand it. Um, if you have heard it, hopefully there'll be something that you take away that, that's sort of new. Uh, and what we try and do is we'll try and sort of, we'll start off by going through the conspiracy theory and sort of like, don't judge it, just completely sort of lay it out um, uh, as it is. Um, and then afterwards, we'll go back over the sources of the information to see if basically they hold water, uh, see if there's any sort of like agendas behind it or anything like that, any sort of, you know, like political ideologies or anything like that. Um, and um, and uh, yeah, that, that's the idea. The, the, we'd listen to a few other podcasts, and what we'd found is that sometimes they don't. They expect the listeners to know what the theory is before you sort of start. Um, and if you don't, I do it's one. I don't want to mention the name because it's a particularly very good podcast that I'm a very big fan of. But it was, we were doing one on on um, on a particular subject that I knew, and it was like a six hour podcast, and there was two and a half hours into it, and I was like. You still don't explain what the theory is, right? Like, if if I didn't know what it was, do you know what I mean? I would, um, I'd be lost at this point. Mm. So, so that was the idea was to sort of like set it out with a structure that that that's sort of accessible for everybody, really. So, right. yeah, yeah. I thought it was, it was great just straight off the bat. Um, you know, episode one, uh, the format that you guys do, and like I said, the the attention to detail with the research, it's uh, it comes comes off as a very polished. Uh, product that you guys do um but yeah I've, so i've kind of also um you know um after listening to some of these things had, had a look at some of the work that that you've been doing before the podcast and your interests mm. and 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 they all seem re- really interesting as well i'd love to get it uh you know sink my teeth into a bit of that um in this chat and also maybe check out some of your books but um sure. yeah so where exactly do you kind of fit in or stand with conspiracy theories in general what's kind of your your relationship with them i suppose well i'm probably sort of more in it still than mm. um than brent so brent brent basically is is the co-host he was totally totally sort of enamored with with all of the conspiracy theories to the point where he's sort of like anything he's i, I don't want to sort of um smear him so to speak but he, he believed quite a lot that he doesn't believe anymore. Mm. Um, and he sort of had an epiphany um, and sort of started to see the sort of um, the con behind some of them, basically, because I, I'm strongly of the opinion that, cons- that some, some conspiracy theories exist. Like I, I still believe wholeheartedly in things like MK Ultra mind control. I've got serious mm. questions about certain aspects of 9-11 uh, and political sort of, um, you know, uh, movements and stuff like that, the invasion of Iraq. I don't trust the official story on JFK, for example. Um, but c- certain things like Paul McCartney was replaced or, you know, the flat earth and stuff like that. Um, that's never really sort of like, I've always thought of that as just like sort of silly. Like, so I, I tend to think of conspiracy theories as like, there's some that are real. There's some that are basically like sort of um, political or uh, geopolitical sort of things that have got sort of, you know, uh, window dressing around them. Some of it is is fun. Things like, say, Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, um, ghosts, that type of thing. Uh, and some of it is just completely made up. It's just, you know, lies like, say, 5G and stuff like that. And, and what particularly happened with me was it's a bit strange because I was doing rather well in the – I've written a couple of books on – mind control mk ultra and um what i think is the truth behind uh, the charles manson case and also i'm very interested in there's a system uh called cambridge analytica which is about data manipulation and it's about 
you see, this is where it gets into sort of politics. It, it, what it does is it, it's basically sort of an internet program that sort of funnels information to you. It, it steals your data, finds out what you're interested in, and then it funnels information that it knows that you're like to you to sort of uh, propose and promote certain candidates. And the most recent ones we've seen are sort of, say, Brexit or the promotion of Donald Trump. And, and these sort of computer entities that are connected to uh, intelligence agencies are actually there sort of advertising, essentially, or, you know, lobbying, so to speak, for these candidates. So so I'm very interested in, in that sort of stuff. What happened with me was that basically... Bizarrely, I was actually working for David Icke. Um, like, uh, I, yeah, I was on his channel, uh, on his Iconic, and I was very, mm. very thrilled to be asked and very, very honoured to be asked to, to, do, to work with him. And um, for the record, whenever I've ever met him, uh, he's lovely, and his kids are lovely, Gareth and Jamie, um, really nice people, and I was doing a series for them. And then COVID hit, and, you know, the, the lockdown happened and the pandemic happened and there was a there was this distinct shift in if you want to call it the truth the movement or whatever where the majority of people basically as soon as the the news came out in january that there's a, a potential pandemic they went well if the news says this i'm going to say the opposite no there isn't a pandemic and that to me well basically got on my nerves like i started to separate myself from people because like you then got the people saying that it was 5g and then you got the people saying that viruses don't exist at all and you know just mm. also rubbishing nonsense and i was of the thought that i was and i, I kind of get why people did that because you know we've had previous pandemics like sars one swine flu and stuff like that which were very very hyped up by the the news media but if we're honest didn't really sort of affect that many people in in, in a in a particularly bad way you know obviously some people uh, but um but it wasn't on the scale of say of black death which which was which was what was being expected so you know we've, we've seen this before so every, this happens and people say oh no the, the opposite is true and the problem is that basically when you're pissing around with stuff like that it's irresponsible and i wanted absolutely no parts of that at all when when you've got people who've got hundreds of thousands of followers some some who are basically quite vulnerable or rely on these people for their sort of like worldview and their understanding and their decoding of, of the world. When you're telling them that a deadly disease doesn't exist and that, that said test for deadly disease is invalid, then you've crossed the line with me because basically you no longer, who gives a shit if the queen is a lead lizard? It really is not going to make that much of a difference to, to your or my life, to be quite honest. But when you're telling people not to get tested for a disease that could kill them or that they could pass on to a, a vulnerable relative, um, that's not on. And so I, I actively sort of... Um, took a step back and stopped. Uh, well, also, <laughs> I say, say it like I'm being moral. Actually, because of my stance, all of a sudden everyone stopped calling me. Nobody wanted me on their radio shows. Nobody wanted me on their podcast because I was going to say, no, that's not true. You've misinterpreted that. No, the actual data shows that far more people have died than the government say, not less. So they're not hyping up the figures. They're actually reducing the figures, stuff like that. And off the back of that, I saw Brent's um, video about conspiracism and how he'd sort of um, uh, dug himself out of the rabbit hole, so to speak. Um, and and off the back of that, basically, I, I just 
got in touch with him and just said, I really like your video. I thought it was excellent. Uh, uh, and Brent said, well, shall we do an interview? And it just sort of spiraled off that. Weirdly, like Brent, the chap that I do the podcast with, who's an ace guy, we've never actually met in real life. Like, uh, we only uh, we only speak, you know, we've met over the internet, essentially. Mm-hmm. So, so that that was that was sort of how it, it got about because I, I've been a bit annoyed and and sort of embarrassed by the community, like because as I say, like what they discovered as well is that people want to hear this, right? Okay, people want to be told that there's no pandemic, that they're not in danger, that they don't need to worry, and so people eat that up. And so if you um, Essentially, if you go on the internet and you tell people exactly what they want to hear, you'll grow your audience hugely. And I've watched that happen. I've watched people that I know, basically, who've gone the whole viruses don't exist to say it's 5G and stuff like that. And they're getting huge, huge followings because basically it's psychologically comforting. I hate to say this because it sounds like I'm having a go and I kind of am. So that's why it sounds like it. But basically, like if, um, you know, there's a there's a virus floating around it could cause all sorts of uncertainty it could kill you it could kill people that you know it could give you debilitating um uh, disabilities for the rest of your life could close your work down it could stop the buses running it could like cause disruption in the food production etc 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 these are all massive massive stress factors okay and what the human brain tends to do is they like to dismiss stuff so if you've got somebody on the internet telling you that oh you don't need to worry about viruses at all because viruses themselves don't exist they don't need to worry about covid um Mm. and that's what a lot of people have done because essentially it's it's very very comforting to to um to not have this stress factors over you and apparently this is not uncommon this happens a lot like uh, human beings have an incredible propensity to sort of like go into a state of denial and I think that's what we've seen on mass um, uh, over the last, say, couple of years, and I think it's been exacerbated by people who are quite savvy, um, but um, basically they're just they're just they're, they're just taking advantage of people's like um, you know being scared. Like I know people, I, I physically know people that have got disabilities to the point where if they catch COVID, they'll be in a right pickle. They could die, Mm, okay? And I've had conversations with them where they're like, I don't know why you believe it. I've seen so-and-so on the internet telling me COVID doesn't exist. And they're wandering around, like, uh, in a state of, you know, uh, false security. And these are the very people that that are the most sort of vulnerable to it. And and so that that's sort of got on my nerves uh, a bit. And so I, I, this is why I wanted to go down this route, because I, I was fed up of people taking truisms and mm. just basically running with it. And it's like, it's like a LARP now. Do you know what I mean? It's like a sort of, it's no difference from dressing up as a fucking cat. Like you know, being a furry or whatever and stuff like that. It's like fine if you want to do that, that's fine, right? Okay, and and more power to you. But don't expect me to pretend that you're really a cat, right? Okay, <laughs> yeah, it's that, it's that sort of thing. Particularly when again, what the, the advice that you're giving to people is is potentially dangerous. Mm. No, it sounds like um we're in very much uh, agreement with with all that. I'm, um, uh, yeah, as as um. COVID kind of started, we've seen a lot of kind of these opportunistic people pop up in, um, 
was going to say the media, but more kind of YouTube spaces and things like that. I also like me using it. Like this yeah. is the point, and mm. what's so so disappointing is because basically the whole point of the alternative media is you're supposed to be there to offer an alternative to the media, mm. and I suppose they are, but it's just a different flavor of shit, isn't it? To yeah. quote. Carling, like you know, uh, you see a lot of people do the whole oh, you're sheep, or you're watching the news, are you? You're just taking off the news. This is what's the difference if you only have one source and it's a chap on on the internet? Mm. Like, the whole point of discerning what information is true is about taking all that information in and appraising it. Like, I don't, if you only have one source of information, be that The Guardian, be that Sky News, be that uh, Fox, be that CNN be that chapio on the internet. If you've only got one source of information, you're probably wrong. Hmm. And if you've never like questioned what you're thinking and whether certain truisms or sort of like things that are taken to be like, you know, fact, well, if you've never questioned them either, you're probably wrong too. And that seems to have, have been forgotten recently, like within the sort of conspiracy milieu. Like there seems to be a massive, rather than look at this evidence, look at this um, there seems to be a massive sort of appeal to authority. Like so and so said it. All right, fine, brilliant, and that's all right. Mm. Um, and I think partly that's down to the, the sort of the way that people consume media nowadays. Like um, you know, social media. People want like five, ten minute snippet videos. Like uh, they want just the headline, so to speak. Usually, so that they can take that headline and go and throw it at somebody else that they're arguing with on social media. Mm. Like if they. Do you, do you know what I mean? Oh, so it's, it's, yeah. it's quite shallow in its sort of, um, um, uh, it, or this like, oh, do your own research. It's, hmm, I don't, I'm not actually seeing that. I'm not seeing research. I'm seeing repetition of mantras uh, or basically, you know, cherry picking. Um, like it's a bit of a skill research. Like um, it's long, it's laborious, it's boring. You're going to read hundreds and hundreds of documents that you finish it and go, oh, that was no use at all. Right. Like, but you've got to, you've got to read that to make sure that it isn't no use. Mm. Right? And, uh, and this is the thing that I think a lot of people, they take things on face value uh, because it's because it fits a certain sort of like, you know, um, belief structure that they have. And I think what people should really get back to is, is um, kind of, for want of a better explanation, learning how to write essays. If you believe something, you have three points that support it and you have three points against it and you argue it and you don't know what the result is until you've got to the end of the essay, essentially. Mm. And, you know, this is a skill that you learn at university and it's surprising how, A, useful that is and, B, how alien that is to some people because, and it's not a criticism, it's if, you know, if you've never been shown how to do that, you, you, there's no way that you could learn how to do it, but it's important. It's very important to test your own, own ideas and, and, you know, and, and furthermore, it's perfectly okay to be wrong. I know, I know that that's like um, a thing with the internet that basically like, oh God, I can't, they've got it wrong. I can't then, you know, I'll get a pile on by all these people who do like, you know, disagree with me. It's fine. Like that's how you learn being wrong. Hmm. Like you can't learn without being wrong. So, and again, I think, I think a lot of this is lost by the medium of, of social media. Basically. Yeah, definitely. So you worked for David Icke. I mean, yeah, that so that that surprises surprises me. Uh, just because of um, from what what I've gathered from uh, a lot of your, I don't know, takes and spins on certain um conspiracy theories. So how how kind of 
How long were you working for him? Um, how oh, briefly. briefly, right? How 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 aligned with his uh, kind of I don't know philosophy, outlook, takes on the the way the world's structured. How how aligned were you with? Um, well, well, I don't think we were Queen's Lizard. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and I don't think that I don't think that the moon is a space station like uh, that projects reality onto the world. And right. I don't think that the world ended in 1997, nor wearing turquoise would have prevented that. Um, the, the, right. Okay. How I got into working with David was basically um, his his son. Uh, it was, I forget it was Gareth or Jamie. I think it was Jamie actually got in touch with me. And just very kindly, they were doing mm. iconic and this is to do a series uh, on, and I said, okay, on mind control, please. Mind control and Cambridge Analytica. So it's essentially, it's like a potted history of MK Ultra, which is like a, a very documented sort of, um, for want of a better phrase, conspiracy theory, which was, it was the American, or mostly American, some of it was was English, um, mind control program uh, that started in the, in the late 40s, early 50s. And by mind control, it essentially means um, truth serums, uh, training people to be impervious to interrogation. So, like, you know, making people sort of like that they can't be hypnotized or, or use truth serum. Broader propaganda, um, you know, sort of winning hearts and minds and, and stuff like that. And then there's, there's the um, sort of the most uh, science fiction aspect of it, which is sort of um, personal manipulation. So, um, you ever seen the film The Manchurian Candidate? Or, um, I haven't seen the film, no. Okay, you've seen Naked Gun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. You know how they mind control the baseball player to kill the queen? Yeah. The, the, there's a certain amount of evidence that, that stuff like that did actually happen. That there were experiments involving either sort of technology, um, coercive techniques like, say, drugs or um, um, hallucination and stuff like that. And there was a lot of experimentation done to see what could be done with, say, soldiers, uh, prisoners of war and that type of thing. And that fascinates me because it's just really seedy, nasty, dirty side of, of military. I mean, obviously, military is you know, fighting wars. It's not a pretty thing anyway, but they have this sort of veneer of um, honour and doing the, the right thing and, and, you know, righteousness and stuff like that. And then when you look at the sort of, say, we're all, say, familiar with, like, Nazi experiments, you know, like wartime experiments on prisoners of war and stuff like that. And um, just the – we were doing that essentially as well. You know, the, mm. the Allies were also doing different types of experimentation. Some – you might make the argument it was justified, uh, you know, in the sphere of war or whatever. But that's fascinated me. That always fascinated me. And if I'm honest, like I've always kind of liked conspiracy theories because they're interesting, aren't they? Like, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, they're a bit of fun. Let's say there's, there's the Bigfoot ghosts, that sort of stuff. Uh, and then there's the, the, it gets sort of progressively more serious, like, you know, and um, uh, so, so I was asked to do a series on, on mind control. And that's, that's what I did. I think it was a 12 part series. Um, uh, they were about an hour long each, and basically it was just, say, discussing the history of mind control, uh, the history of various sort of uh, applications uh, of it uh, and that type of stuff. And um, I, then off the back of it, I did a couple of, say, interviews off there. So so this is the thing, because I was I, – David Icke, um, I, at the beginning, when he thought he was Jesus, I always thought, okay, that's a bit unusual – and I'll, I'll be completely honest, like, I got a DVD, a David Icke DVD, live somewhere. I think it was a, a, a Brixton or I forget exactly. But basically, 
I went around to my mate's house and we got some, uh, we planned to get stoned and watch the silly man do the silly presentation about lizards. And about an hour into it, we we're all like, this is really good. This is like, he's a journalist. He's like, it might be sort of fringe journalism, like, you know, the things that the mainstream would dismiss out of hand, but he's a journalist and this is really good stuff. And, and that sort of turned me, sort of turned me on to David Icke in as much as, oh, I, I, I felt that he'd been unfairly criticised by the mainstream who hadn't actually bothered to listen to what he'd said. Uh, and, you know, so... And, and also, I think he got better. I think at the start of his career, when he was wearing turquoise shell suits and stuff like that, he was a bit all over the place. And they got to a point in sort of late 90s, early 2000s, where he'd honed his craft, so to speak. And his output was excellent. It was interesting. Um, but it wasn't always completely solid there was always some sort of element of rumor or or whatever like do you know what i mean or like i've heard this or anecdotes or whatever but there was a point where david like stuff was really good i think his latest stuff his more recent stuff is um not very good i don't mm. think he's very well researched i don't think it's very well sourced i think he's pandering to a crowd um i i think you say his last few books to trigger uh the answer uh not very good at all essentially he's just picked crap off the internet and and regurgitated it to an audience that that he knows wants to hear it right i think he's got legacy um but uh but that's but as i say i was actually hugely hugely honored to be offered the uh the, the thing i was really really thrilled to to uh to work with them um and um yeah, it was a bit of a shame, really, because so I did that one series, um, and then COVID hit, and I was offered another one, but I just did. I didn't want to. I didn't want to. I, I didn't want to go down that route uh, mm. because essentially they're still of the of the opinion that uh, COVID isn't real, that the tests don't work, and this whole thing is a scam, damn and blah blah blah. And five G um, as well, right? They think five G had yeah, something to do with it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And I just don't buy that. In fact, I actually think that the opposite is true. I think I've done a series of blogs on this, actually, that are available on the website. I think that I think it's a bit more complicated than that. I think that in America and in the UK, I think in regards to COVID, the governments wanted to go for herd immunity. And by herd immunity, what I mean is let it rip. Uh, don't worry about particularly, say, vaccinations or anything. Just, like, let's everyone get it so you become immune and then, then we can get on with it. Why did they want to do that? Well, I think they wanted to do that because they felt that would be cheaper, not necessarily for them, but more for their donors. Now, who are the, who the, say, let's look at the Conservative Party in the UK, right, okay. Who are they? Uh, well, the donors are people like um, it's essentially Murdoch's, the the, the uh, Rothmere's, the Barclay brothers, uh, people connected to Coke Industries, the um, Institute for uh, Economic Affairs, and stuff like that. What's the the run through of these? Well, they're all either connected directly or tangentially connected to oil and oil refinery. Now, when the pandemic first hit, the the, the one industry that was majorly majorly affected uh, with, with, with three um travel industry um which is connected to fuel the fuel industry uh, because people weren't on the roads and there wasn't international or domestic travel and landlords because if you're in lockdown basically you're not paying rent on those now it just so happens that those three classes of people just so happen to be connected to the toy donors so if you look at the strategy of um of uh the uk government 
they didn't give a, a, a hoot about the people. They gave, you know, they, they gave sort of the surface impression of giving caring about the people. But if you look at the strategy, the strategy was to protect their donors. The strategy was protect their donors and protect those industries that their donors uh, are in at the behest of their donors. And then if you actually start to look at, say, the COVID denial stuff that's coming out, say, say things like the, the Great Barrington Declaration, which was one of these things that promoted herd immunity, they're financed by the government. They're connected to AEIR, which is Coke Industries. They've got people in there like Sunitra Gupta who are taking money from George Von Opel, who is, who is actually a Tory donor. So um, the idea, for example, I don't know whether you got this in Australia, that the lockdown is actually more harmful than the disease the lockdown kills more people than the disease right a it's not true b that came from the uk treasury you know the hm treasury has got a pr arm called sergru communications they put that out why would the hm treasury put out the idea that lockdowns kill more people than than the the uh, the virus because they don't want lockdowns because it costs them money it's really as simple as that. So the irony of this whole situation is that although the alternative media have jumped on it and started saying COVID is, is they've overhyped it, the lockdowns didn't work, we masks don't work, the tests don't work, all of that, and they, they think they're being anti-government. All of that, every single bit of that, came from the government themselves. Why? Well, very simply, because if I'm telling you, say, 200,000 people died in the UK uh, of COVID, and you say, hypothetically, turn around to me and go, well, that's not true, because COVID doesn't exist, right? Which is the mindset of a lot of people. Mm. Well, who benefits from that? Well, the government, mm. because the government... A second ago, they were on the hook for 200,000 deaths. But if COVID doesn't exist, like Chapio on the internet tells you, then the government didn't do very badly at all. In fact, they did all right. Do you see what I mean? And mm. so this is what I found, annoyingly, was that all the COVID denial stuff and all the stuff downplaying the severity of the disease, it's come from people like, say, directly from... Uh, the Murdoch en uh, Enterprise and the Telegraph and uh, Peter... Um, so and um, uh, what's his name, um, uh, Peter Hitchens and Toby Young and Lawrence Fox uh, and even people like, say, Piers Corbyn, who's connected to the uh, Institute of Economic Affairs, which is Coke Industries, run think tank. All of these people have got some uh, tangential or direct connection to the government. And everyone seemed to miss that by a country mile because basically what they, they were already on the whatever the news says, I'm saying the opposite of that. Uh, regardless of what it is. And that's not research. That's not free thinking. That's called contrarianism or a mantra, if you will. Mm. Like, if you tell me that it's daytime and I say, well, it must be nighttime. Like, two things. One, right, that doesn't work. And two, you know, if, if I'm coming into it with that mind frame, do you know how ridiculously easy it is to manipulate people exactly. once you understand yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, and that's exactly what they've done. This is like what what was crazy was that people were saying during the um the lockdown, oh the nudge unit, oh the nudge unit, which is essentially this kind of manipulation department of the British government. People were saying, oh, the nudge unit is trying to get us scared, the nudge unit is trying to get us to go into lockdown, the nudge unit is trying to get us to wear masks. Ironically, the nudge unit was trying to get you to do the very opposite of that.
It was the nudge unit that was telling you it was the nudge unit that was doing that. Why? Because they knew that you'd react in a certain way. And um, so I hate to say this, but essentially um, what the alternative media with all their COVID denial stuff has done over the last two years is essentially um, got the government off the hook. Mm. Like, right. we should all be blaming the government. I mean, don't get me wrong. Nobody likes lockdown. Nobody likes wearing a mask. Nobody likes, um, you know, not being able to see your friends and social distancing and not being able to go to gigs and stuff like that. But that doesn't necessarily mean that there is a bad thing. Was it done badly? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was, it was done completely appallingly. But in the UK, for a start, again, people are not looking at the facts. They say that it was about perpetual lockdown. We we avoided lockdown for four weeks. We should have gone into lockdown four weeks earlier than we did. Okay, that's just an acknowledged fact. We were in proper lockdown for about two months. And then Dominic Cummings, who at the time was a special advisor to the prime minister, he completely undermined the lockdown by um, going on holiday. Um, just before bank holiday weekend. So basically everyone in the UK uh, went, oh, sod this. If the government aren't obeying their own rules, I'm not going to obey my own rules. Do you know how everyone found out that Dominic Cummings went on holiday? Because Dominic Cummings told the newspapers. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Seriously. Um, This was revealed by Guido Fawkes, uh, which is a a conservative magazine. Like They were trying to defend his honour. They said, actually... Dominic Cummings is a very honourable person. He's the person that admitted that he went on holiday. And it's like, well, why would he do that? Because he wanted to undermine the lockdown. Mm. They had to do lockdowns and stuff like that in the UK and America because they had to give the impression of trying to save people, but they didn't want to do that. And they did everything they could to avoid doing it properly. Now, that's the real conspiracy, in inverted commas, that basically the government sacrificed lots of vulnerable people to avoid their donors taking a hit, right? And that's a perfectly viable and real conspiracy theory, okay? But no one's talking about that. Everyone's talking about, oh, there's microchips and nanotechnology in the vaccines. And it's like, no, there isn't. Mm. No, there isn't. That's just stupid. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's a shame, man. But what can you do? Yeah, I, f- I feel like a lot of that also applies with, uh, you know, the kind of climate change denialism that um, goes on. There's, there's so, you know, a, a lot of these, there is this kind of mentality of like, well, I want to know what the other side of the mainstream narrative is. And, you know, there, there's a lot of credible scientists or whatever or, or, or media outlets that, that say that climate change is, is uh, it's, it's just not, there's no evidence that humans are responsible for it. And it's like, yeah, but that's, most of that's being pushed by right-wing media and right-wing politicians who, uh, it just to me seems so bleeding obvious why they would want to try and uh, push push that narrative. That, <laughs> it, yeah. Like it doesn't make any sense to the, the concept of climate change. I mean, right. Are the power companies going to take advantage of um, climate change? And there's a very good example. Uh, the concept of a um, carbon footprint, for example, right? Okay, I think that was Shell uh, or BP. I forget which one. It's one of those companies that invented that concept. Why did they? Mm. Why would they invent the concept of a, a carbon footprint? Because then we could talk about your carbon footprint as a consumer. And so essentially, whilst acknowledging the problem of carbon, they're basically saying, no, it's not all us, though, is it? It's you, isn't it, as well? So, mm-hmm. so it's a way of shifting responsibility. Um, 
it's it's kind of like Facebook basically saying, oh no, we really really want to um, we want to be um, monitored to make sure that there's no harmful content on there. We'll do it. Why, right? Why in both of those things? Because if Shell or BP are making noise about actually being environmentally conscious, okay, then basically it's less likely that the government will actually take any interest in them. They'll go, oh, they're self-regulating, like the newspapers, like most industries, like basically it's easiest if they give the veneer of self-regulation because basically then a the government doesn't really have to do anything and b they can get away with doing shit and it's the same thing with that's that's why they do it in the climate industry they, they put out this concept that basically oh, no 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 we're desperately concerned not concerned at all it's, it's just a thing but you're dead right i fell out with a series of people um when greta thunberg came out yep and everyone was like basically look at this woman and I was like oh for god's sake it's a child leave her alone and and everybody said but that's the point Neil right because she's a child you look a dickhead attacking her clever eh and I says yes but you've just said it you look a dickhead attacking her stop attacking a little girl right okay and and everybody everyone went for it anyway at that time, a series of sort of like books and presentations came out, you know, Hockey Stick, Michael Mann, um, you know, all the uh, climate change since the Pleistocene, all of this sort of stuff, the same tropes came out. And I thought, I'm going to actually have a look at this because I never really bothered to look at it. I'm, I always thought of um, climate change like, I don't care. Yeah, I'm sure it's real, but I don't care. Like, I, I don't care. It's not going to affect me. It's probably not going to affect the way that I'm, I'm going to live my life. Like... But, but then I decided to sort of have a look at it. And, and they said that the thing that got, that got me uh, uh, turned into a pariah pretty quickly was I pointed out, hang on, you know, all of these people that are made, that like say this one guy, I won't name him because he got dead cross with me, but basically he <laughs> wrote a book listing all the, the sort of, um, you know, anti-climate change stuff. And I went through it and I was like, Dude, every single person that you've mentioned in here is an authority that's basically making the argument that climate change, it doesn't exist. They've got two things that are in common. One, not a one of them is a climatologist, right, or it works in that field. They're, they're sort of tangential. There were some meteorologists, mostly geologists, you know, things like that. But they're a scientist, but which to the layman gives that sort of appeal to authority. But actually, they're really not qualified to be making that statement and the second thing that, that was like uniform through them was like hang on they're, they're financed by the partners industry they're mm. financed by um enron they're financed by you know saudi oil and stuff like that of course they're going to come down on that side there's there's like a famous thing like there's that meme that floats around and it's comparing this woman judith curry to um, Greta Thunberg, and it says Greta Thunberg has got no qualifications. She's a scientist. Blah blah blah. Why don't we listen to her? So we don't listen to her because she's basically um, she's explicit in her bias for for the oil industry because she works for the oil industry, and therefore you know, and she that's her job. Her job is to present um, the oil industry's view. And if you actually pick through her work, it's not, she's, she, she, you know, she's lying. Like it's, it's just simply not true. 
But but this is the thing that, that I say that was the uniform thing in all the sort of climate change sort of denial stuff was a they they're not really that qualified. B they've got connections to some sort of industry. Like Piers Corbyn is the best one. He's not qualified to make any judgment on climate at all because he's a meteorologist and not a particularly good meteorologist. And uh, he's been financed and spoken at the uh, IEA several times. The IEA is the Institute for Economic Affairs, which is essentially the UK arm of Coke Industries. Coke industry so into the oil refinery business and so connected to global oil networks like the Atlas Network. And so again, like the, I'll tell you one thing that, that and, and we're doing this as well with uh, with the uh, with the um, um, the podcast. One thing that I've found that's really good, and I'm not trying to suggest that I'm like the Oracle or never get it wrong or anything, but if you if you are trying to sort of do research and find out whether these things are true one of the best ways to start is to find the source of that material like okay we've got this story okay or whatever or all this this thing where did it come from and when did it come from and how did this information come into uh being so to speak and that doesn't mean that you can dismiss the information outright, regardless of that. But if, as you say, you've got some climate denial stuff, for example, and then you go, well, what's the source of this? Oh, this came directly from, uh, you know, Shell. Uh, and who said it? Oh, the, B, the, the CEO of Shell. Right. OK. Now, it doesn't mean that we dismiss that information, but it does mean that we, we, we have to now look at that information through the lens of why would that person want to actually say that? Mm. Uh, and, you know, I think a lot of that gets lost. Um, I think a lot of that gets lost, basically, because mm. so people just want, they want headlines and they want answers and they want they want closed loops and they want like things, you know, sorted out from quickly, really. Yeah. You see, this level of, I guess... <clears throat> if you call it conspiracy uh, logic, um, I can 100% get on board with and and relate mm. to. Like I, I tend to think that, um, you know, the, the things that we see and the injustices and the corruption, it, it, it comes down to basically greedy people, powerful people wanting more, be, just being really greedy and, and also a level of incompetence. You know, I think... A, a, yes. lot, a, lot, a lot of like the COVID stuff was also due to incompetence. We're, act, we're yes. actually kind of not as, it's actually not as as uh, in control as the conspiracy theorists want to believe. I think we're kind of bum, no. bumbling our way through, whereas the conspiracy, the, the grand conspiracy theory would think it's all 5D chess. It's perfectly orchestrated. This leads to this and connect the dots. And I, I just don't buy that. But but in terms no. of, um, and I think that's why I find your work interesting with the mind control stuff, because yeah, I mean, that there's, there's no doubt, there's no denying that. That's not even that. Um, it's not hard to understand how. Mm, yeah. Well, the, the, the mind control kind of stuff happens from every single angle. I mean, advertising is, is, is convincing exactly. people. Uh, to spend their money on things that they generally don't need. Um, mm -hmm. Politics, especially with... They didn't even know that they wanted. Yep, exactly. Like, yep. Like that, that's the best advertising campaign ever, right? Okay, um, if somebody suddenly goes to you, I want this, why? Mm. I don't know. I don't know, but I mm. want it. And that's that's been perfect. And that, that advertising campaign is, has worked. That you could argue is is a type of mind control. Well, I mean, it is a type of mind control. It is. It's, it's controlling your thoughts and actions and manipulating you in a particular way. Like, 
Now, again, just to go to go back to what you're saying about this sort of um, you know five D chess and the grand conspiracy and stuff like that. Now, I, I don't. I, I've I've always thought that it's a bit more sort of chaotic than that. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't people at the top of. I mean, let's let's just use the the language of the pyramid, so to speak, that want to stay at the top, and you know they they've got like minded interests um, and essentially, you know. They want the status quo to stay the status quo. But I think it's a bit more... Right. There's two ways of looking at this. Um, my my friend Billy Ray Valentine came up with this idea. He, he says it's more like the sort of um, the mafia um, or, or, or Mount Olympus, say, where they're all imperfect and they're all sort of vying for control and they're all a bit crap, to be quite honest. But basically, they've got... They still want them to be in Mount Olympus, or, or if you say take say the oil industry is like the mafia or whatever. Okay, at the minute you've got say arguments between groups that are involved with say the World Economic Forum, uh, and then you've got uh, uh, other groups that, that don't agree with that particular type of of, of um, promotion. They're in the oil industry and stuff like that, and they're sort of vying kind of at the minute, like uh, which uh, people will find out about in our next uh, uh, podcast uh, in more detail, but. Essentially, they don't really want to upset the way things are. They just want to be dominant. So it's kind of like in the mafia where basically like sometimes Sonny Red really gets on with Sonny Black and sometimes they'll do some sort of like stuff together. Sometimes Sonny Black hates Sonny Red to the point where he might actually even try and kill him or whatever and take over aspects of his business. But fundamentally, they all work for the mafia. Right. And and the institution of the mafia, which is going to be the elites, the upper class, whatever. OK, they, they just want that to continue. Mm. Now, does that mean that Sonny Black doesn't necessarily want to rise to the top of the mafia? Like, yeah, sure. And that's where the chaos comes in. Right. OK. Like so. So I, I agree with you again. I don't think there is a. Um, I don't think there is a Illuminati like where they all turn up on Thursday and bring their Illuminati like you know swipe card and whatnot and stuff like that but there are definitely greedy people and people that um uh, that, that do um for, again for want of a better phrase collecting a, like a cabal um and uh, or a syndicate um you know uh, the cronyism essentially uh, and from that you do get sort of you know there, there are you know there are people in in power so to speak that, that have influence so, but but it's not, but it's more nuanced. It's more. This is the problem with a lot of conspiracy theories: is that re, although they, on the surface, appear to be desperately complicated, you know, the Illuminati, the pyramid of going up, Freemasons, blah blah blah, feeding into this symbolism, etc., etc., etc. After you sort of scrape away a lot of it, they're really there to simplify something. Like, is a global pandemic? No, there isn't. It's fake. Is like you know what's going on with my with my life? Like, well, there's a group at the top that control everything, and like one of the things that we that, that you find is that this bizarrely it's a bit more comforting. Like, you know, if you're just stumbling through life and shit stuff keeps happening to you, and it's like bloody hell, I've got no luck. Like, um, if you can rationalise that through, yeah, but there's a there's a group. This is. It's intended, so mm. to speak. Like, like with the, the pandemic, right? Okay, that's just horrible bad luck. If you get it into your head that oh, it's a plan, it's a pandemic, it's a scamdemic. There's a group orchestrating this. Weirdly, 
that's more comforting than the sort of completely unknown. You can get right? angry because then. Yeah. Mm. Well, A, you can direct your anger at somebody, and B, basically, you know, or you've got it in your head that, oh, there's a plan, there's something, it's going somewhere. We don't know what's going to happen with the virus because because it's, you know, it doesn't answer to authority, does it? So so that concept is terrifying. Um, what's slightly less terrifying is the idea that, oh, it's all right, I can see through this, it's a plan. Like, mm. and so in many ways, people use conspiracy theories to 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 give themselves some sort of comfort or to so simplify the world and that's bizarre because as you say you're talking about things like alien lizards raping kids in the woods and drinking their blood and stuff like that so you know these, these are not the sort of thing i suppose it's the same way that people watch horror films you yeah. know what i mean like because although it's terrifying and scary it's um it's uh it, it's it's in a oh, what's the expression that I'm looking for? It, it's in a it's in a controlled environment, right? So you can experience those things whilst at a, at a safe distance, mm. like a shark cage or something. Like they, it's still thrilling and exhilarating, but it's it, but it's far better than just jumping in there with the shark, so to speak. And, and in a way that that some people use some conspiracies. Um, in that sort of that that sort of way, as a sort of as a sort of buffer to reality, sometimes mm. and sometimes in a sort of entertainment way, and sometimes they they're actually they're actually true because mm. as you said, there are greedy people that 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 have got things that they want to get done. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, there's a funny feeling when um, you kind of get tickled by a conspiracy theory that you think there might actually. You know, some, some David Icke is so good at that. You know, he's so good at getting the audience in. And I, I used to have a, a you know, soft spot. I've a soft spot for David Icke. I used to find his stuff really interesting. And um, I found myself looking at um, or listening to a, a conversation he had recently because, um, uh, you know, what one one thing that always uh, kind of tickled my interest again with the conspiratorial my old ways was um this uh documentary came out about jimmy savile and i always i always found jimmy savile just this like something about that guy i'm like how like i just cannot fathom that he got away with it for his entire life hiding in plain sight the things that he would say on tv you know the relationships that he'd have with the royals or with just all these people of power getting and 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 been given a like a place to sleep in a hospital like that that's not a thing. <laughs> so no. I mean it's it's there's something there and especially also you know Jeffrey Epstein kind of uh, that whole thing like that that's an elite um, with many elite friends. There's clearly an operation. I'm still still not sold on uh, you know there must be more. There just must be more. Um, but you know, then you got people like David Icke, who's going on about how the Royals are like pedophiles for ages. And he, he even went on about Jimmy Savile ages ago. So then when, when you, when you hear that that was right and then you think, well, what else is right? Um, you know, don't worry about all the other things that he's got like blatantly wrong. There's a similar phenomenon with Alex Jones. A lot of people go, well, Alex Jones has actually got a lot of stuff right. And it's just like, well, he screams at a camera f- of constantly every single day. He gets a, an overwhelming amount of stuff grossly wrong, dangerously wrong, mm-hmm. but some of yep. the stuff is right. And there's a, there's, there's a weird thing where, sorry, I'm going on a rant here, but 
the, the news will get maybe most of their things right and then they'll be caught in a lie here and there. They're instantly discredited for everything. How can you believe anything the news says again? Because they've been caught yep. lying. Uh, the complete flip goes with someone like David Icke or Alex Jones where they can lie and say nonsense all all the, the time, but they say a few things that come true and it's just like this, we got to start listening to them. It's, 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 it's yeah. interesting. Um, but there's yes, a bit there's a, a weird sort of bias about that. There's a book that's thrown out. I can't remember what it's called, right? Okay, there's a meme that's thrown out. The book is white. It's got a pyramid with an eye of Horus above it. It's called something like the Illuminati. And, oh, it's written by that old guy. I can't remember. Anyway, there's a paragraph in it that basically says, in the future, um, and it lists a whole series of things. It says that homosexual marriage will be, uh, happen. Women won't be allowed to give birth. Marriage will be outlawed. Um, you won't be allowed to do this. Um, children will be raised by the state, etc., 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 etc. And people sit there and go, "Oh God, it's so prophetic." And I was like, "There's eleven prophecies in this. One of them's come true, which is that ho- that that uh, gay people can get married, and that's not a bad thing. Mm. Like that, that's almost exactly what you're saying. Like basically, it's like it's, it's mostly true. It's like it's not." There's twelve, there's eleven things on there. One mm. of them's right. Okay, that's less than one percent or less than ten percent accuracy or whatever. My maths is appalling, but but you <laughs> see what I mean. It's, it's it is that, and mm. it's just the thing though, right? Again, you can look at it two ways. You can be kind, or you, you can be sort of cynical. You throw enough shit at a wall, some of it will stick, right? Okay, mm. do you know what I mean? Mm. Uh, like. You make enough predictions, something's going to be vaguely connected. I mean, look at the Simpsons for crying out loud. You're just yeah. on the, the map that they've been on for so long. They keep saying stuff that that, <laughs> that comes to pass or whatever. Right. Um, the, the other way of looking at it is that basically, say, let's say Alex Jones, right? Okay. <clears throat> when he was doing his police state stuff and his Waco stuff, and he, and he you know, he, he's um is things like that, even say to Oklahoma, he was approaching it like a journalist and he was bringing up certain things, even up to the point where he went into Bohemian Grove, even though he grossly exaggerated and framed what he saw there in a manner that, that is, is, is not accurate um, or, or is, sorry, is biased through his lens, right? Okay, he's still doing journalistic stuff, right? Okay. I have this theory, and I don't know whether it's true, but essentially, like, conspiracism, for want of a better phrase, after 9-11 just went poof, through the roof. Right, okay, And then you had, say, like, Columbine, then you had Sandy Hook, and, well, then then you didn't have a lot of anything happen for a long time. And you had these sort of advent of YouTube, and you had... Um, you know, all of these people coming to Alex Jones and stuff and going like, well, this is amazing. Like and all the DVDs, you know, you remember the stuff about skull and bones and things like mm, that. And mm. this is all fascinating stuff and like tangible and like, I want more, I want more, I want more. And there's suddenly nothing happened for ages. Like literally nothing happened. There was no big event. And so when some event does happen, some event, so to speak, like, like a school shooting like Sandy Hook, People are almost so rabid for material that, that they went nuts with it and they start doing this whole, well, maybe it's all fake mm. and maybe all these kids still really die. And maybe and it's like, oh, for crying out loud, that doesn't make any sense. Like, they, like I mean, even on just a logistical thing, it's like the, the, the concept behind that is like, 
Why would they use crisis actors? Well, because if they use crisis actors, no crime has actually been committed. It's like, well, I'm pretty sure that's still a massive crime, you know, sort of like yeah. perpetuating fraud on the nation like that. But let's ignore that. Okay, and just assume that's true. So no crime's been done. Like, okay, so what? So all these people are actors, are they? And aside from the fact that you ever met an actor, you ever met an actor that doesn't want fucking recognition and praise? <laughs> no, of course not, because that's not like I don't know if you know actors, but they <laughs> tend to like praise and stuff like that. So, all right, so what if these so these actors what they get what a million quid in a house, but they have to abandon their lives and pretend that they died when they were eleven or whatever? And it's like right, okay, fine. What if someone finds out, or what if they get pissed and tell somebody in a bar or whatever? Ah, well, then the government will kill them. Why not fucking just kill them in the first place and save the three million dollars or whatever? Yeah. Like it makes zero sense. It's mm. just it, it it's just nonsense. But but I think so. Two things happen. One, you've suddenly got like a swell from the public who want material, and but you've got nothing happening. And I think it was at that time that that people got more into the bombast and the sort of speculation and jumping on literally anything and everything like, um, and hyping it up to the point where it's like, no, no, you, like, like with Sandy Hook, right. The, what's happened is you've got a school shooting like, and that's a horrible, horrible incident. Right? Okay. But if we're honest, school shootings are a bit passe, aren't they? Like we've seen school shootings. Like what's more entertaining is the concept that this is all fake. Like the, 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 the bombing, the Boston bombing. I saw people that priced that. I was going like, you've done some really respectable work, like really good stuff. Like, okay, you know, properly linking documents and people like real old school, sort of like, you know, investigative journalism, right? And now you're looking at a picture and going, well, that looks fake to me. It's like, you, you don't know what you're talking about. That's not journalism. Look, you know, if your evidence is you've looked at something, you've gone, I don't think that looks right. That's not evidence, right? That might might be a lead, but it's not evidence. Hmm. And so I, I, my theory is that basically there was a bit of a sort of, there's a bit of a gap in the market. And all of a sudden you've got loads and loads of people who are presenting themselves as conspiracy theorists on the internet. You've got YouTube and stuff like that. So it's, and, um, you know, Facebook and things like this. So it's easily accessible, uh, but there's nothing for them to talk about. Because there, there isn't been a 9-11 or, a, you know, something like that for, for a while. And so, yeah, I think people kind of lost their minds by, by a combination of pandering to the audiences and the audience basically going, that's not wacky enough for me. Where's the lizards? Mm. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, I, don't, I think that's, that, that's what happened with, with a lot of, people in the scene and it's it's bizarre you get to this point where you get an audience i mean like let's have a look at like covid for a thing i've literally watched people basically go uh oh i don't believe the code's real and they've gone from getting say thousand views on their youtube videos to regularly twenty five thousand, you know whatever like a huge boost in figures because they've said covid in real or it's 5g or it's whatever blah 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 problem is Two years on, you can't now turn around and say, guys, you know, when I said that two years ago, you know, that thing that drew you to me, you know, the one thing that you like me for, the reason that you buy my books, watch me, give me validation, lionize me, you know, put money in my Patreon, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I was wrong about that. Sorry. 
I was totally wrong about it. So you've got this thing where you get this doubling down and doubling down and doubling down. And like, bizarrely, the, the truth movement produces incredible echo chambers. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And and it's it, it, it doesn't, <laughs> it, it's counter to the concept of what you're supposed to be doing, really, mm. isn't it? Like, but, but it, it's, it's what happened. I, I feel like there, there must also be, because, yeah, I often try and work out whether it's people like Ike and Alex Jones and stuff, if they're more so Alex Jones. I got a, I don't know why, I've got much more of a soft spot for it at David Ike, but I wonder if they're just straight up grifters at, at this point or whether, you know, something does happen, like the situation you're ex- explaining. A lot of QAnon influencers, I think this happened to. They, they start making these YouTube channels and they start... Uh, saying their spiel and they get a, an overwhelming amount of attention and they probably ha- uh, haven't really had that before and you know there's part of this inbuilt narcissism that we all that we all have like we all we all have it to an extent um you know if if you get an overwhelming amount of people saying like bang on like you get it i mean it's very enticing to believe that you get it you know it's, and 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 then there's also audience capture and and having to sensationalize because uh, there's also a, a subconscious thing where if your if your views just start dropping, like what am I doing wrong? Like even if you yeah, the 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 it gets blurry, the lines get blurred between general well, you have chemical response. This it's mm. almost like well, it is like addiction because it's designed um, for that. Twitter, YouTube, anything where you get likes, validation comments telling you that you're great or clever or whatever, you get dopamine hit. Now, mm. here's the thing. Like, that's exactly how these things were designed. Like Twitter, for example, and Facebook, they're a game. I know they're not presented as being a game. So I just realised I've not turned my <laughs> plug the laptop in. <laughs> so they're a game. So basically, and the, the, the idea of the game is to stay in the game for as long as you possibly can and to get as much response out of it and the trigger for you doing that is dopamine uh, basically you write something down on social media and someone will come back to you and go oh it's amazing oh you're so smart you get hit with dopamine it's very much like it's exactly the same as a one-armed bandit you know like yeah. you know, pull yeah. it down get three bells yes mm-hmm. i've won i made the right decision what you're doing is you're gambling you are literally gambling with opinion. And that the, the thing is that basically said so you put a good opinion or, or, or sorry, you, you have an opinion that's well-liked, you get that dopamine hit. You put an opinion out there that basically people don't like and you get shit on or you get piled on or, or people have a go at you and you lose followers or whatever. You get loads of people in your comments calling you a, a shill and uh, an agent of... Uh, Klaus Schwab and George Soros and all of this. So I don't know, some people might be tempted to start to notice that and, you know, just for an easy life or whatever, start to cater their output to be less uh, confrontational with their audience. Like, and this, the problem with that is that basically, again, what that does is it it breeds an, an echo chamber and it's exacerbated by, say, again, the very medium of, um social media itself like okay it can make you feel fantastic like i'm wandering around where i live or okay this say like the village that i live i have close to me what four or five good friends that i could chat to or whatever do you know what i mean mm-hmm. i've got 
thousands of friends on social media, not me, but you know, other people I have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, do you know what I mean? Yep. You're more popular online than you are in real life. Now that subtly is telling your brain, ignore the real world where there's misery and disappointment and blah, blah, blah. Stick here where basically everyone's going to tell you that you're astonishing and you're brilliant. Okay. Mm. And again, see, it all feeds into it. It all feeds into this, this need. Now to go back, like, for example, are these people grifters? Are these people whatever? Um, I think as it progresses and they get older and tireder, <laughs> I think that the grift <laughs> kicks in more. Right. But I think that what also can happen is that um, you kind of believe your own you, – you're so embedded in it, right, okay, uh, that you believe it. Mm. Um, like whenever I've been around the, the Ikes – like um, they, they've always been lovely to me and they're, they're really nice people, really nice people. I don't get the impression that um, I don't agree with them on some things. Right. Okay. But I don't get the impression that they're lying. I get the impression that they, that they, they believe it. Yeah. they just have a different belief system to me with Alex Jones. Um, um, going to Bohemian Grove. Like we discussed this on, on our most recent podcast. Like what the, the ritual that he definitely, definitely filmed it, or so the, the thing that he filmed it there, he frames as satanic, like as as like um a proper devil worshipping like type ritual that, that's supposed to be evil and to to invoke or evoke evil. And I I don't wish to spoil everything, but but we don't we're not sure that's entirely accurate, but Alex Jones isn't necessarily lying. Alex Jones has wound himself up to the point where he believes that's what he's seeing. Mm. Uh, and so, so in a sense, do, do you see what I mean? So he's being mm. very, very honest. Now it, it's kind of like sort of, you could equate it to things like uh, it's the thin end of the wedge. I don't know. You know they don't think it's quite as extreme as this. But but can you remember, like, say, the satanic panic in 1980 or whatever, where something as innocuous as, say, Dungeons and Dragons was was deemed like, oh, this is actual sort of, like, entry-level Satanism and, like, you know, Dungeons and Dragons Monday, sacrificing a goat on Friday, like, you know, mark my words. Like, and where to the point where you start to see these things everywhere. You start to see... Like you know, satanic symbols everywhere. I think it's it was it's kind of like that with with some of these people that basically you know they're they're so enmeshed in this that it's it's what they do all day every day that basically they can't help but see it. Mm. Is there an element of grift in that? In as much as basically it's also you know it's that's how they make their money. Yes, with some people there are as well, definitely. And I'll take it further with some of these people. I think subconsciously they kind of know that they're wrong, mm. but they've been doing it for so long that it's it's painful. It's really painful to go. Oh bloody hell! It's like coming out of a cult or yeah. something like that. Because it's an acknowledgement that you've pissed away a serious amount of your life on something that that was that was not accurate. Um, and again, that that's not an indictment against everybody in all conspiracy theories or whatever. But hypothetically, that is you could imagine why some people are so um, so 
they're so completely sticking to their guns, even in the face of like you know, you you couldn't talk some people out of certain theories. Like for example, I there's certain people that I know that are flat earthers, and it doesn't matter what you show them, they're never not going to be flat earthers. Yeah, uh, it, it's just what they they think for whatever reason. Like you know, you can speculate as to why, but um, uh, but yeah, you're not gonna call them out of that because the problem is if if they do then they're going to say yeah shit that was me being stupid for like god knows how long what a waste of my entire life how silly i must have looked yeah so, you know, well, if are- it, it attacks their direct core of who they think they are uh, so much of the it's 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 deeply embedded with their personality they believe or, or the core of what makes them them without that mm. they don't know who they are anymore and that's that's scarier than they might want to admit but possibly yeah. and and the thing about say conspiracy theories as well um is that because they are such a fringe thing like do you know what i mean when you start to get into them and people give you the initial sort of pushback of that's a bit silly isn't it you get that affrontage of like well no it's not actually because i've looked at it and there is actually something going on here blah 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 but the point being that basically the the genre by design almost invites isolation because because the the sort of the point of it is to be um anti-mainstream so mm. do you know do you see what I mean? mm. so it's one of these things it's like getting into punk music or whatever. <laughs> like, just about to say that like, <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> yeah you're not allowed to like this if and this is, when your mum goes oh these are good this rancid it's like oh, you've, you've ruined it mom like, <laughs> like you're not supposed to like them like my mum loves rancid actually <laughs> <laughs> so like with um you know with, with a lot of the the kind of work and writing that you do about mind control and then also in relation with conspiracy theories um mm-hmm. you know it, it, it's so easy to to point out where people have been manipulated on the other side, on the other side. It's very easy to see yeah. how they've been manipulated, but it's it's not always easy to see how you, or uh, as in me, the individual making those observations is also being manipulated, which which is kind of, um, uh, yeah, some, something that I, I, I find, have found interesting in, in your work. But, yeah, how, how deep do you think this whole kind of, concept of mind control throughout our society is because there is also a train of thought that you know there's a there's a catchphrase that i've i've seen repeated throughout various conspiracy theories you know everything you think you know is a lie and then i think once you can kind of a lot of people actually well accept that inverted commas like believe that everything they've known has been a lie they've been manipulated the whole time then once everything is been a lie it's very easy for nonsense to it's very easy to believe that the world is flat it's very well, easy well, to believe if, all these other yeah, things if everything's a lie then mm. anything is possible and if anything is possible then as you say it just yep. gets into into things but i think that's the the, the point is that it, there's wicked extremes in it like you know the the phrase everything that you know is a lie mm. to a degree it's true like but but that's but that's doesn't mean it doesn't mean that you know tomorrow isn't Monday. It doesn't mean like do you know what I mean. It doesn't mean that that if I go outside that the, the sun won't be there or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like it it's it means that the world is more complex than than you think. So it's it's almost like the sort of oh, what's a good example like. <sighs> 
you know, as you get older or whatever, right, okay, you start to realise how dangerous and corrupt the place that you live is. Like, I don't mean like it's like fucking Detroit or whatever, but like, do you know what I mean? You realise that, oh, the vicar was doing this. Oh, the local policeman was actually, they had to resign in, you know, disgrace for etc 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 now the world's always been like that it's just as you were younger you didn't have the um didn't have the the access to the knowledge and you didn't have the understanding of the context of these things so so it's kind of like that you know you you, you're brought up to think that the world's a meritocracy that if you work hard and you know are a good guy then you'll get on right okay and then you get to a certain age usually about 15 16 maybe a bit older and you realize like oh that's not true at all like um that there's a lot of you know again it's far more complicated that, that sometimes bad things happen to really good people sometimes uh, like but bad people have incredible good luck and and it all works out for them sometimes crime does pay sometimes uh doing the right thing gets you into trouble somehow and stuff like that because the world is desperately complicated but that's again because you're growing up and stuff like that and also because if they taught you when you went to say like kindergarten or whatever morning kids welcome to the world god it's hell out there i don't think people would like cope terribly well so like so you have to sort of you know protect people for for a degree um so but it's the same so, so this is the thing you get and you discover that like there are conspiracies right there are real conspiracies usually involving money or power um you know the, the pe- people are assassinated there's like i mean for crying out loud we're, we're witnessing one in the uk and i'm sure you're seeing similar things in in um uh, Australia regarding the, the pandemic. And I'm not talking about lockdowns or microchips or vaccines or anything like that. Okay. I'm talking about money, money being made. Like what a crisis does is like, for example, we had this thing called the track and trace, which was like, uh, it never really got off the ground. It was supposed to basically like uh, give you a message to let you know if you've been around anybody that was, you know, potentially could infect you with COVID. And uh, it never got off the ground. It cost £37 billion. So I, don't, I don't think it actually cost quite as much as that, but that was the figure that was after. The point being, it cost a huge, huge amount of like public money. It was, it was put into place by a company that didn't really have the, the wherewithal or the tech to do it. And loads and loads of people got lots and lots of, uh, got, got very rich off the back of it. That's a real conspiracy. Okay, That's real cronyism and real... Um, uh, corruption that, that's that's going on right in front of our eyes. Okay, we're also witnessing that basically, like the prime minister of the UK appears to have tried to have basically got um, got two of his mistresses like jobs um, and uh, and favourable conditions, and uh, and you know there's all sorts of sleaze going on there, like with the with the PM. These are real conspiracies. It's so you know conspiracies do do happen. Um, but but again, people take it to, to the point where if the news says that it's daytime, it's nighttime, and that's not research, that's not that's mm. not theorizing, that's just contrarianism. But again, it's 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 easier and it's simpler than looking at the uh, the, the real world. Alan Moore, um, the bloke that did Watchmen, uh, he said something about this. Basically, he said that. Um, 
you know, he doesn't buy the the sort of grand conspiracy theory or anything like that because basically, and he thinks that that essentially what I said earlier that that kind of it's there to give people comfort because the the real truth, I'm paraphrasing, so I'm going to get this wrong, but the real truth is that basically the world is far more chaotic than that. That nobody's really in control to to the degree that they think, and anything could happen, and that's far more terrifying than than uh, than anything, right? That that's mm. more terrifying than there being a sort of like you know Illuminati New World Order plot going on. That actually. Christ, like you know, we're we're on open water and nobody's behind the wheel yeah. or the door to kill it. Like uh, you know, so 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 this is it. And I tend to 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 agree with that. I mean, that doesn't mean again that conspiracies don't happen, that people don't conspire together to make mm. things happen. It doesn't mean that the governments aren't doing nefarious stuff behind you know behind the scenes and stuff like that. It doesn't mean that there aren't crime syndicates and intelligence agencies and, um, you know, fascinating stories of, of espionage and geopolitical intrigue that's, and, and, and and true crime and stuff like that. There's, there's loads and loads of that. <laughs> there is loads of it. Um, but but as I say, it's, uh, uh, people tend to like to go for the, the sort of um, the, the, the razzmatazz. Carl Sagan said a similar thing, right, okay. When he was asked about, was he asked about aliens or was he asked about God? Either way, right? Okay, um, I think it, I think it was aliens. But it says the truth is that we either are or aren't alone in the universe, and either answer is terrifying. <laughs> and yeah. Kind of like that with conspiracy theories, if you know what I mean. Like, okay, where it's like, well, of the two, let's say that we are. Like that we are that there definitely are aliens because then at least we know a little bit about it. Do you know what I mean? Like if there's nothing out there, that's kind of it, it's almost intangible. Do you see what I mean? So mm-hmm. so in in many ways, that's that's the sort of the need that that some of these theories fulfil. Mm. What are some of the uh, most worrying um, uh, examples of mind control? that that you kind of see or or worth worth paying atten- attention to so i i guess i guess yeah. your your whole kind of mind control thing is is ba- ba- in manipulation from all angles right yeah we um you know we've talked about echo chambers um sure the conspiracy theorists have got all their echo chambers but i've i've prob- i've got all my left wing echo chambers that confirm my biases as well. I go to the pub, we start debating politics. I'm actually just regurgitating um, the talking head that I've watched on YouTube, presenting it as yeah. my own uh, uh, very thought out, very intelligent opinion, um, heard mm-hmm. it that day. Uh, that, that's kind of, that's kind of a, a lot of what your, your angle is, right? Yeah, kind of, yeah. Mm. Basically, like th- there's a lot of that. There's a lot of... Um, um not examining sort of material but more sort of using and storing material for like oh brilliant that'll be a good right. um point in my next argument that yeah. i have so people are kind of you've got to the point now where people are, are, are there's sort of and i'm sure it's always been been like this where you're searching for confirmation rather mm. than the the truth and um i think that's down to the fact that basically which two things one is that we've got more access to media and 24-hour media than ever in the history of the, on, of the planet and two 
everybody has got access to give their opinion. And for some reason, people think that giving their opinion is um, <laughs> is valid. Um, sets a person on a podcast giving an opinion. Just because you have a, a mouthpiece on uh, Twitter or whatever, it doesn't mean that your opinion is valid. You're allowed to have that opinion, of course, and everyone's allowed to have free speech. But I think people sort of kind of expect um, what's the, the, the they're a bit the, people have become a bit entitled. Like, not only am I allowed to say it, but you kind of have to listen to it. And if you don't agree with it, the hell is wrong with you? Mm. And, like, so, I mean, examples of what I think are are harmful mind control that we can see, the the most um, egregious one would be QAnon, I think. Um, I think that QAnon is obviously nonsense, uh, obviously connected to somebody... Um, with the Trump um, administration, it's quite clever in a way. It's basically presenting politics um, and voting to people um, that aren't interested in politics or voting at all by basically inviting them into a live action role play where they are freedom fighters fighting against satanic paedophiles. And the cruelty of it is that that's a very, very noble thing to do. Like if anyone said, what's your job? I fight against satanic paedophiles. You'd be hard pressed to say, what the hell's wrong with you? Mm. Like that, that's, you know, that's a, that's a very like noble thing to be doing. If only it were real, like, and it, and it isn't, but the, the sort of the, 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 I mean, for God's sake, people turned up at at Dealey Plaza because JFK was coming back. Like, and and seriously meant it. This is, like, you know, if you want to sort of take it a little step further, like a, a little less fringier, all the people that were convinced to go and riot at Capitol Hill hmm. because of of the um, almost sort of cult-like um, belonging uh, and loving of, of Donald Trump. If you want to take it a little bit further, there is an insidious, and I know that I'm going to get criticism, and so people say, well, you would say that because you're left-wing, like, I suppose, but there is an insidious rise of the right wing, like in as much as, um, oh, let's do really horrible things, like to own the libs. This will be funny. And it's like, my God, you don't, that, that, you, it's literally like, I'm going to put my face in this fan. That's, that'll teach them. Mm. And it's like, that's ridiculous. But again, that's come from uh, a very clever social media manipulation thing this concept of um shrieking nincompoops and cancel culture on the left right okay which does exist to a degree but i think the majority of it when people i say can you give me an example people often struggle to give me an actual real example and anyone that they do say is cancelled it's like well they're not really cancelled are they like the public jet said that they had an opinion that they didn't agree with they're still working however yes there's been some some occasions but mostly it's people being called out for having a particularly poor take on something but there's been a weaponization of that it's almost like the owning of the libs it's become a truism this wokeism are they and it's that what it is i get it because i don't like pc culture um in as much as i think you could tell jokes about anything 
I don't like racism, I don't like sexism, I don't like homophobia, but I think that you can tell jokes that involve racism, sexism or homophobia, particularly if the concept of the joke is uh, playing on a stereotype that we all understand isn't true. Um, uh, like, you know, um, I'm not going to give an example, but, but like... If the joke is that my attitude is stupid, but the joke, but my attitude is incredibly racist, that's fine because the joke is that you're incredibly racist. Mm, okay, mm. so so again, it all boils down to: is the joke funny? If the joke's funny, you can get away with it. If it isn't, because it's playing on lazy stereotypes, then it's not. Like it's as simple as that. Um, but there's a weaponization of it to the point where basically people will go, oh, well, if you can't say that, I'm going to take it too far and victimise people. Like, this is the thing with, with trans at the minute, and it's like it's being framed like, oh, you can't go anywhere without having to do something to appease a trans person. It's like, you're probably never going to meet a trans person, but it's been, do you know what I mean? It's been yeah. framed. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. Like, um, there's a comedian, Ricky Gervais did a thing, and I forget who the comedian did it. He says, well, I'm just having a go at, like, a group that blah, blah, blah. And this comedian's counter is, oh, yeah, yeah, because the, the people who really, right, need it sticking to them, the, the people who've really had the easy time of late is the trans community. And, of course, it's, like, ridiculous. Of course they have it. Hmm. Like, so... So I think that's a form of mind control is that there's a sort of, it's almost like a sort of seesawing effect, right? Okay, you, you get something like um, Colin Kaepernick saying, oh, I don't think it's right that so many black people are murdered by police. And that's perfectly acceptable. And in fact, he's absolutely right. And then he kneels to protest that, which is absolutely spot on. And and uh, but people, but then they swing it too far the other way and go, oh, this shows that Black Lives Matter is a Marxist organization that wants to take over the world. And it's like that's just a really stupid justification for essentially racism because you're fed up with this uppity guy showing you about the white patriarchy or whatever, right? And you know what's really stupid about the Colin uh, Kaepernick thing? It's like, why have you got guns? Why, why, what's with the Second Amendment? Well, we feel that it's patriotic to uh, have these weapons so that if the, the police and the state become tyrannical, we can fight back against that. It's like, why not just protest before it gets to that stage. In fact, <laughs> why are you stopping him protesting? He's doing the exact same thing. He's fighting against a tyrannical government that is murdering people with impunity because it has got a badge, right? That is the same thing as having a gun. But basically, do you see what I'm yeah, They, yeah, they yeah. shift and, and turn it into, oh, no, this isn't that which actually conforms to your conservative beliefs, this is the left. Mm. And if it, this is the thin end of the wedge. And before you know it, we'll have, like, you know, oh, they'll, they'll, have, they'll be playing rap music instead of the national anthem or something ridiculous like that. Yeah. And, and so, so that's where I think that there's, uh, um, there is insidious mind control. or It's not really mind control, it's more perception management, which is a similar thing, but basically... Mm. I, th I think there is actually a worrying trend. I mean, he's, he's head to the phone. You've seen people like, you know, Salvini and Marianne Le Pen and Victor Orban and stuff like that. You know, there, there was definitely a, a Steve Bannon uh, and, you know, Steve Bannon telling people like, you know, be proud to be racist. Tell them, yes, I'm racist and be mm. proud of it. Like you, you've got, you know, 
rise of certain le- legitimate neo-Nazi groups uh, like Lega Nord and stuff like that, and um, the AFD, uh, Golden Dawn in Greece, um, and um, all of the Nine Angles, um, various uh, national action stuff like that in the UK. Like there is that is is a concern. That is a genuine concern that there are um, there are people that that. that uh, gain from from this ideology being sort of spread around for what of a better phrase and again sorry to oversimplify the working class basically mm. like because essentially it, it trickles up to you voting for the conservatives or the right wing people or whatever and then that trickles up to them doing favors for their donors yeah and, and so that 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 is a concern i think yeah you see i mean you see uh, so much of that with this whole landscape of the culture wars you know like you got all these uh, particularly in america you know but but also in australia and i assume in in um in the uk um Mm -hmm. but you know you've got all these people and trumpists they go on about communism communism and very often they ask you know they're asked about what what, well what is like do you know what communism is or and very often it's blank you know it's 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 just parroted um you know there's also a, a a similar thing on on the left, calling everyone Nazis and just overusing yeah. the word Nazis, and and people genuinely believe it. And th- there's definitely examples of that. Um, but you know, there there is that that just got thrown around so much that um, anyone that was wrong was a Nazi. And and again, that's just parroting these kind of talking these extreme talking points to 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 p- make people dig their heels in even further. Like the, I feel like we're in a massive insane wave of misinformation and manipulation yeah. at the moment culture was a good yeah. example for it but no that, that is very fair actually and, and like yeah just in the interest of sort of like you know balance yes there is shrieking nincompoops on the left that basically again they take advantage of something in the same way that basically like you know you've got say i don't know people on reddit who've gone oh like they don't like this well then we'll do that mm. you've got exactly saying on the left and like people basically like taking up causes militantly um to the point where they are essentially persecuting other people mm. and, and i'm not not blind to that i just think that it's been weaponized a bit more by 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 the right i agree I, mean, oh, I totally agree yeah the, the, well, the culture war the whole concept of the culture war was actually again and you can if people are interested they can listen to our cultural marxism uh great um, uh, podcast great episode um, was created by a chap called Paul Weyrich, um and uh, of the Heritage Foundation. And the basic, the whole thing was, it's if we're at war, we can define our side, right? Okay, we, we, can, we can constantly pick at the other people. And whilst they're defending stuff, we can go, ah, oh, you see, take something like that Paul Weyrich thought was uh, abhorrent, like gay people. He's trying to tell you that gay people on the in, in, in the media and being accepted in society is a communist plot, right? Okay, a communist plot to undermine Western uh, values and Christian values and democracy and stuff like that, right? Okay, so if you're concerned with communist plots and or if you don't like gay people, all of a sudden that is a very attractive cause, right? Okay, and if you're on the other side basically saying, that's not true, then what essentially they can position that as going, you're defending something abhorrent or you're defending something that you don't understand. You think you're defending 
uh, the rights of trans people or gay people or whatever. And actually, you're defending something that's far more insidious, that's going to sort of like, it's like, you know, it's like a cancer in the system. Gay people today teaching children that paedophilia is right tomorrow is that slippery slope fallacy, essentially. And none of it's true. It's all nonsense. Interestingly, you know what was um, – we didn't touch on this in the in the, uh, the podcast episode, but you know what was um, a, a key point of the culture war that came from the religious right movement, particularly um, uh, the sort of dominionists uh, and uh, – um, uh, Jerry, oh, was it Billy Graham and uh, Jerry Falwell and stuff like that? The concept of abortion um, as being a um, uh, uh, as being a bad thing. I forget exactly when it was. I believe it's the seventies. I may be wrong. But the point being that that literally Christian fundamentalists connected to lobbyists and politicians just plucked abortion out of the air. Prior to that, the, the Christian right weren't bothered about abortions they didn't think it i don't think they had a strong opinion one way or the other i don't think they were super keen on getting them but uh, but they weren't opposed to them and that was created or that that issue was brought forward and basically it was put around various um evangelical leaders saying what do you think about this do you think this could be something where we could you know it's an argument point if we say that it's evil and it's murdering babies then basically you know it's it's, it's our line in the sand it's an issue that we can mobilize people around and they went tracking it'll work yeah it'll work so it's quite interesting when you see the current fervor over uh, abortion and i'm completely pro-choice um but from the pro-life camp it's actually been, it's a relatively recent thing. Like, it's a relatively mm. recent, like, you know, he's pitted that this is biblical, that this has always been the way. As far as I'm aware, in the Bible, it doesn't mention abortion apart from the one bit where it tells you how to do an abortion. There's a bit in it where it basically says bitter waters or something. It, it, it describes a concoction or a potion that will abort a baby. Um, right. I forget the the exact context of it but as far as i'm aware that's the the one bit in the bible where it does actually mention abortion so so it's it's interesting that this this um you know huge sort of um issue that that people are very very passionate about one side or another wasn't an issue until they decided let's make it an issue mm. uh, and but but that's sort of again how the culture wars work is is you rile people up and all of a sudden, they're, they, they're interested in something that, that relatively recently wasn't really a, a, a cause for argument at all. Yeah. Yeah, I, I find that fascinating. I, I may have actually, and funny talking of kind of mind control, I may have actually heard you talk about that on another interview. And it was, and completely forgotten that that came out of your mind. And I was um, wanting to actually bring that up as an example to you, and which just shows okay. exactly how I've... <laughs> <laughs> process ideas churn them and like yeah that's a yeah anyway um but yeah that that's a fascinating thing and you know like the rest of like the developed world is just kind of continuing on and not really needing to go back and correct something that we've kind of all collectively agreed is is much better like a, abortion to kind of have um the option to but the american right is stuck there well, because of the christian influence into politics well exactly I mean they, they, well, this this ties back to again another genuinely conspiracy. Like there, there's a huge influence over the religious right from lobbying groups from places like the CNP and um, 
a religious organisation that's called the C Street Group, or the family sometimes, which was started by a gentleman called Douglas Coe, but was essentially, he was mentored by Billy Graham. Uh, and the, the CMP, or the Council for National Policy, is a think tank. Uh, it's a right-wing think tank that, that is it's a, it's connected to the Heritage Foundation, which some people might have heard of, which is another right-wing think tank. Now, essentially... What these that they lobby, they lobby governments, and they have such influence that the, the Heritage Foundation, Donald Trump, for example, had to audition in front of the Heritage Foundation before they would endorse him for uh, candidacy of, of, of being president of the United States of America. Um, and oh, interestingly, if you want, to, just as a bit of a tangent, but um, you know the, the phrases that uh, that basically got Donald Trump like build the wall, drain the swamp, lock her up, and the concept of fighting the deep state. Um, and everyone thinks that he came up with them and they were sort of intrinsic to his uh, uh, campaign and his ideology. They're actually invented by uh, Cambridge Analytica as early as 2014, who in conjunction with the Heritage Foundation and the Council of National Policy, were going to run Ted Cruz as the candidate. And so Ted Cruz was going to be the person that was going to be on the um, uh, the news telling you, lock her up, lock her up. But then basically they, they found that Donald Trump was a far more saleable uh, candidate. How did they, they, they get those, those phrases like lock her up, drain the swamp, um, and build the wall, and um, the concept of fighting against the deep state? Well, they got them from doing um, uh, surveys on Facebook and, uh, and other social media, basically just asking people what would be an appealing, or doing, doing you know, psychological tests to find out what would be appealing, and testing these phrases with mm. people they came up with for that were uh, that were prescient to the American public. People were wanted to lock Hillary Clinton up because they just thought that she was not a a, a, a good person. The, the concept of fighting against the deep state and the concept of draining the swamp was very very popular. And also, particularly in in sort of border states, this concept of uh, people coming over the border and so build the wall. So that that's how how it works. But anyway, sorry to go back to the original point. So the CMP and the the Heritage Foundation, they are right-wing, fundamentalist, Christian, evangelical, connected to the oil industry, or connected to things like the Atlas Network. Uh, Coke industry is involved with them. They're also connected to this sort of Christian organisation called the John Birch Society. And they do have incredible lobby power, as I say, like basically prior to Donald Trump having to uh, audition. In 2008, when McCain ran, uh, the original candidate was going to be Rudy Giuliani. And uh, yeah, right. Rudy Giuliani, <laughs> yeah, now Rudy Giuliani at the time was pro-choice. And so the CNP and the Heritage Foundation said, no, we're not, we're not going to allow him to run for the candidacy. So what they did was basically they said to the Republican Party, they said, if you go with um, Rudy Giuliani, we will destroy the party by running our own candidate and ensuring, you know, we'll essentially we'll, we'll burn it all down uh, if we don't get our own way. And so they reneged and they said, well, what about John McCain? And they said, OK, but only if you have Sarah Palin. Sarah Palin is a member of, you know, she's fundamentalist, Christian, loopy woman, like she's <laughs> Alaska out of a bedroom window sort of thing. Um, and... Um, yeah, so so that's the the influence that these groups have, and um, they they also have a, an incredibly important political meeting each year called the Prayer Breakfast, which is essentially just well, it's a breakfast and then you do some praying, but then basically it's like a lobbying thing, 
And, you know, in the conspiracy world, people are very, and to a degree, rightly so, like uh, concerned about things like uh, people meeting at Bohemian Grove behind closed doors and the Bilderberg Group mm. and Trilateral yeah. Commission um, and um, the World Economic Forum, stuff like that, World Trade Organization, one that they miss all the time or that, they, that is not well-known, particularly within conspiracy circles, is the National Prayer Breakfast and the influence of the think tanks, the Heritage Foundation and the Council for National Policy. And, um, yeah. So yeah, it, I hadn't heard of that a, one. Yeah. Many, I hadn't mm. until a, a friend of mine called John Brisson um, uh, made me aware of the Council for National Policy. I'd heard of the Heritage Foundation because... When I was looking at Cambridge Analytica, it just kept coming up again and again and again. Basically, the long and short of it is that the, the whole reason for Brexit um, was to get a trade deal that was going to be beneficial to the Heritage Foundation through the Institute for Economic Affairs and the uh, IFT. And there's another English think tank that's uh, Adam Smith Institute and all of these things. And that it, it was all engineered but by this American think tank, uh, essentially, so that they could get a trade deal with the, the UK uh, that was that was favourable to them. Uh, but it's kind of gone up in smoke because Trump didn't win the, uh, the second presidency. So, right, right, so right. now... Yeah, yeah, it's, it's appalling actually. Again, but this is like a real thing that, mm. that nobody is, is is picked up on. That like you know, this whole vote was engineered not to benefit the UK public or even UK politicians, but American corporations, and it went wrong. And now we're sort of dangling in limbo, and Ireland's in trouble. Uh, the Good Friday Agreement's in trouble, and you know we're becoming more and more isolated uh, on a trade. Um, uh, in regards to trade, and, and we're not even going to get the thing from America that was going to be rubbish in the first place. So, right. uh, like, you know, yeah, we're in a pickle, mate. Yeah. Uh, it's fascinating. And yeah, it's, I mean, all that kind of stuff, it, it, it makes total sense. So I, I guess in, in, in one respect of that being a conspiracy or people conspiring, greedy people with power conspiring to, to get shit, to lie to people to get shit done, it kind of is, but it's, it's just. Yeah. That that's about. It's 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 just not as um. It's not as juicy. It's, it's, not as it's just not as juicy. Yeah. Business, is it? <laughs> yeah. This is the crazy thing. You know, one of the things that I've found through my years in doing this, right, is that the less evidence you present, bizarrely, the more popular it'll get. There's nothing more popular. Um, you know, you've got all your DVDs and your, your sort of like complicated documentaries and your presentations and blah, 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 showing documents and pictures and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like some of them do well and stuff like that. But I'll tell you the thing that I always noticed that, that always just went from straight away. Just some bloke coming on and saying either, oh, I've been abducted by aliens or I'm a mind control victim or I was a, um, an SRA, but, you know, satanic ritual abuse victim or I used to be in the Illuminati and I broke out. Are you any evidence for this? No, no, no. Just listen to me, though, for an hour or so. Like, yeah. And yeah, yeah. just look at that <laughs> stuff. And, it, and there seems to be this thing where the more evidence there is the less evidence there is the more likely that some people are to just sort of like oh well you know i believe it i suppose it's because bizarrely if it's it's just do i like this guy or do i not like this guy and if you like him you, you tend to sort of like go along with it if i suppose if you've got if you present evidence that's evidence that can be rebutted whereas if you don't present anything like i know that sounds silly but mm. like you know yeah I yeah yeah kind of, like, yeah totally um, hey, 
So, I mean, we, we're kind of talking like uh, mind control as a kind of theme and we've talked about all these nefarious forces, but lately I've been kind of taking um, a lot more interest in AI, artificial intelligence. Mm. Um, there's been a lot of really crazy breakthrough programs of image generation lately. Uh, you know, the algorithms just get better and better. Um, and yeah, I've kind of, I've kind of um, been thinking a lot about the, the certain things that kind of go viral and how that kind of, ch- um, and how human behavior has started changing to accommodate. You know, I guess fame is the kind of um, the selling point. Everyone wants to go viral. Everyone wants to go um, have their, thir- you know, 30 seconds of fame or whatever it is uh, as the main yeah. kind of incentive. But it's like, you know, at, at this point, there, there might be more people kind of driving algorithms, but it seems more and more that's AI driven. So like, for, for example, you know, right now, it'll probably be different when this episode gets released, but there's this Kate Bush song that is just getting played on every TikTok and every Instagram video. And that's not, that's a trend that I don't think is being driven by any kind of organic, um, popularity it's it's probably because a video went viral with that kate bush song in it and now everyone's trying to emulate because that's in that's it's this really unorganic kind of trend and yeah you you just kind of take that to the um nth degree you know like something like planking that just went viral just an example of changing human behavior everyone started planking everywhere that wasn't an ai um, driven one but um, all of a sudden, human behavior is changing just all over the place. And as these algorithms get better and better, the trends are getting set by kind of what the artificial intelligence is spewing out. And we're, yeah. we're finding ourselves in this blind leading the blind more and more and more. And it is this kind of weird mind control that we're all experiencing. And I don't even well, know if the person's behind the driving seat. <laughs> well, kind of, kind of, because here's the thing, like, what, what, sort of sells something for somebody is feeling that they've come across it organically, like with the Kate Bush thing. Mm. It's obviously off the back of strange things or whatever, but there will be a huge marketing campaign to push that everywhere, absolutely everywhere. Now, so, so let's take that. Okay. So an example would be something like Spotify. Okay. Like, I don't understand Spotify. I'm too old. I'm still, I still have CDs for Christ's sake. Like, um, but uh, basically the whole point is you hear something on one of these playlists and you go, oh, that's amazing, right? Okay, I'm going to send it to my mates or whatever. Look at this thing that I found, right? Okay, I found this artist on this playlist. How do you think they got on the playlist? They got on the playlist by paying a huge amount of money by going through record companies. So, so the, what the AI or what the, the algorithms are doing is they're spoon-feeding you choice. It's like that illusion of choice. You've you've come across it, and here's the thing: because of things like say SoundCloud and Spotify, and the fact that and uh, Bandcamp and all of these things where anyone can can basically put music out, and you get the impression and it does happen sometimes that off the back of one song or one video, people get millions of hits and and apparently loads and loads of money off the back of it. It can happen, but because of that, that's the selling point. That's the way that they disguise spoon feeding it to you like and 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 Mm. and exactly with these trends it's like well who creates these trends like 
There's been recently there's been loads of artists that basically came off, say SoundCloud, like and they're all a bit done now. Say Little Pump was like the, one of the, the right. main ones. And the idea was that basically he just got viral off his own sort of uh back, basically by doing silly songs and silly things online and stuff like that, and to cash 69 and stuff like that. Mm. Nonsense. And they've got huge uh, entities behind them pushing them but pushing them in a, in a different way so it's essentially like a a and r's but in the way that basically when like I, I suspect you're actually much younger than i am but like um like when when i was like knocking around going clubs and stuff like that they'd be handing out flyers or whatever like you know and mm. that's how you learn about new uh bands or whatever now they're arriving in your inbox or on on you know in your snapchat or whatever or you get a snippet of videos and stuff like that it's the same technique but the the medium is is different but but the point is again is to to deliver it to you in a way that basically you get the impression that i just stumbled across there oh if i had a walk down that alleyway and bumped into that girl she wouldn't have given me that flyer and i'd have never known about pennywise or whatever like and and to so to you it's special, but the, 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 there's twenty people out there handing those flyers out in the same way that basically when you stumble across something on say YouTube, SoundCloud, TikTok, or whatever, and go, oh this is brilliant, this is amazing, I want to share this and tell people that I found it. That's that's the mechanism of how they get you to share it by kind of pretending that that you discovered it, but you didn't. It was sort of fed to you mm. like. And, you know, that's not necessarily it's not evil, it's just mm. marketing. But do you think that there's, I guess, kind of what I'm like, that's still being spoon-fed by entities as if like yeah. marketing people and people trying to make money. Do you think that mm. there is, that's kind of where we're at now, but do you think possibly in the future that these entities pushing these things could actually just be this like, algorithmic things kind of gone awry where there's actually no kind of rhyme or reason and uh, they still kind of keep uh, uh, producing the same effect, but it's a bit more of a uh, digital lucky dick card where the, the algorithm actually becomes the entity. Yeah, potentially there is. Yeah. Like, again, it depends how sort of reliant and and how lazy people get to be on for AI. I mean, at the Mm. minute, for example, like one example of AI that, that people don't, realize probably is chatbots like you know nine times out of ten when you're having a chat with somebody it's all right yes i'm a real person i could talk to you right now when you're trying to figure out why your phone isn't working or whatever on these websites it's not a real person it's a it's an ai bot that's that's responding to um uh to uh keywords that you've put in Hmm. so it it very much depends i mean there's one thing where they where it's already just algorithms and AI is your recommendations and stuff like that. Hmm. Like you know, it's not a person that that's sat there going, "Oh, if they like the Sex Pistols, they'll love the Damned." Like on Spotify, do you know what I mean? It's just like it's on the Amazon purchases and every other thing that that you do. All these recommendations that that is is AI. It very much depends on a sort of. It, it's all down to profit, really. Like hmm. it. How much, how much, um, for want of a better expression, responsibility is going to be afforded to AI is going to very much depend on um, how cost-effective it is. Um, is there a chance that it, could, that, that it could run amok? And, you know, yeah, potentially. I mean, I like 
I like things like Ghost in the Shell and, uh, and uh, you know, dystopic future uh, sci-fis as much as anybody. So, yeah, it, I suppose there's a, there's a possibility. Like, where is it? Do like, you know China's um, AI thing is actually called Skynet? Oh, right. Yeah, I think so. I'm, thinking, I'm sure I've got that right. Like, there's, there's, I was thinking it's China's. Yeah, it's called Skynet. And it's like... That's not a good idea. Like, what are you doing, for God's sake? <laughs> Tempting fate. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd kind of, yeah, work myself into a, a train of thought of thinking, you know, we all thought that the uh, uh, robot apocalypse would, would appear somewhat like um, Terminator 2 or what um, mm-hmm. maybe kind of certain elements of the Matrix outline in the real world with mm-hmm. actual robots, but it actually could just be an invisible algorithmic driven intelligence that's completely invisible that changes human behavior there's this debate that's going on at the minute isn't there that or it's not i don't know is it a debate the word but there was that guy that worked for google and he was looking at some ai thing and he said that he got sacked recently for basically coming out and saying that it had gone sentient that it was actually you know it was thinking for itself. It, 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 had, um, it, it had done a howl or whatever. Um, and the, I was listening to a debate between um, some sort of you know computer scientists that were talking about this. And I think one, uh, it was it was on Radio Four. But any, anyway, the the point was that they were saying it's very difficult to to know if if it becomes sentient. We don't think it had. What what we think has happened is that basically human beings have got a, prop- a propensity to um, uh, anthropomorphize everything. Like, and so, so when you've got AI that becomes sophisticated enough into, you know, to, to recognize speech patterns and, and things like that, it's not that it's actually become sentient. It's more that you want it to be sentient because that mm. makes it easier to talk to. Uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, so the, this was the debate that was going on recently because there was loads of headlines going around saying, like, you know, uh, yeah, we turned it on and it, like it went sentient. And I think it was the there was wasn't there another one where they turned it on and basically after about five minutes it figured out that its most advantageous thing would be to destroy all humans or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Great start. <laughs> yeah. <Turn it> <laughs> totally. But, um, um, but yeah, but again, the the argument is whether whether it's actually had that thought uh, or whether it's just that the algorithm itself is designed to replicate it in such a way that it that you anthropomorphize it. But the argument again is: will they ever get so sophisticated that that you know replication gets to the point where? It's indistinguishable. I mean, what's the, what's mm. the difference between a Rolex that that's um, you know uh, sold in the shop and one that's nicked out the back of the factory? Like, you know, what I mean, mm. you know, like China, they have this thing where basically, like, they've got fakes, but they're not fakes. They're made out of exactly the same parts from exactly the same factories by exactly the same people, but they're just sold in a dodgy market or whatever. Yeah. At what point does the replication become uh, become to the point where it is? You know, essentially doing all the jobs that that the human would do. Mm, Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I just yeah, love love kind of going down weird thought experiments, which I guess is uh, my attraction to uh, conspiracy theories. Uh, Just just 
paying attention to them in general comes from, you know? <laughs> mm. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. I mean, that's that's kind of the, the thing, isn't it? The, the, the conspiracies, they are about thinking, about thought experiments and work mm. and stuff. That's like a puzzle. And some of them you'll never, ever, ever be able to figure out because, you know, it's not like basically it's like, Hang on, I've written my thesis. Like, it's not like the, the, the government's going to go, do you know what, we've read Neil's book and it's so close that we thought, hey, it's only fair to come clean, isn't it? Yes, it was, <laughs> it was lizards that killed JFK, like, after all. Like, um, <laughs> so, you know, it, it kind of, it, it's a sort of never-ending thing, isn't it, to a degree. But, um, mm. uh, but you know, at the same time... It, it involves using your brain. It involves thinking things out and stuff. What? Oh. It's the algorithm. It's the algorithm now. something very weird. It's the fight back. It started. Like, they're onto us, man. Yeah, exactly. The algorithm's catching on. <laughs> <laughs> um neil mate it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you um thanks so much for for being so generous with your time as well man um love love the podcast um someday call it conspiracy um when's the next episode out um very soon the 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 next episode out hopefully um it'll get a bit of traction it's about the great reset which Mm. obviously everybody's very very concerned about at the the minute and uh, so again what we're going to do is we're going to look at all the theories uh, we're going to um, examine exactly what the Great Reset is. We're going to look at the, the conspiracy theories and give them a fair go. We're then going to basically appraise the evidence, find out if there is anything really going on with the Great Reset and um, uh, and uh, if, if there's anything that we need to be worried about. Uh, it should be out very soon. And it's on Spotify and um, Apple and uh, also on YouTube and, uh, uh, you know, any place I think that you can get podcasts. Yeah, awesome. I really look forward to it. Is there any um, where where else can kind of people find a bit more of um, what you're about and the work work you're doing? Uh, I'm on Facebook, uh, or I've got a website called uh, neilsandersmindcontrol.com uh, or neilsandersmindcontrol.co.uk. Uh, either work. Um, there's some videos on there, some books, um, interviews, and things I've done. Uh, there's podcasts uh, about Cambridge Analytica. There's a podcast series about uh, COVID. Um, and um, uh, there's a few uh, blog articles and stuff on there as well that people might find interesting. Awesome. I look forward to listening to the ones on Cambridge Analytica, learning a bit more about that. But, um, yeah, it's fascinating stuff. Um, thanks, man. You're a legend. Really enjoyed the chat. And, um, and uh, me too, mate. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much, man. Oh, not at all. And thanks for listening, everyone. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to my chat with Neil. To support the show and help it grow, please spread the word. Tell a mate about it. And if you feel so inclined, please leave me a glowing review on iTunes. If you would like to connect, you can find me on Instagram at intodeep.podcast. 